So uh, welcome, Northies. We started our uh, new series on the life of David last week and reintroduced David to us with the verse, which was really good, that Saul was about to come to an end. Uh, he didn't know that yet, but God was announcing it. And that God had found a man after his own heart, which was David. And we, we subsequently found out a little bit about that, that last week. And she brought to, to uh, she brought out the first session, which was on the fact that Joseph, uh, Joseph the fact that uh, David was chosen by God. And uh, as we sit here today, I was just reminded of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 that says that before the foundation of the world, think about that, let that settle in for just a little while. I don't know how long ago that was. Depends who you talk to. I just know it was like a long time, right? Some people think it's millions. Some people think it's thousands. Uh, either way, I'm not going to see those sort of numbers, so it's a long time. But whatever that long time ago was, God chose you and me to be made holy through his son. And we didn't have to do a thing except say yes. Think about it. We didn't have to do a thing except say yes. Jesus came into the earth, and this is, this is, probably, this is probably a little bit topical right now because there's all kinds of things happening out there in the world. And it's easy to get sidetracked into the conversations that are going on. But the interesting thing is that Jesus didn't come to the earth with an opinion. He came to the earth with an invitation. He said, follow me. And all they had to do was say yes. They didn't have to change because he said, I'll change you. I'll fix you. Oh, we'll work it out. Follow me. And if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know whether you're in or you're out, whether you're a Jesus follower or just interested, I want you to understand this. If you're here listening to this this morning, I guarantee you God has chosen you and he's making an invitation to you today. And all you have to do is say yes and he'll look after the rest. He'll work it all out. And uh, we'll see a little bit of that in David, and we'll see it uh, in David's life as we go on. So I'm going to pray this morning, uh, not because I'm nervous or I haven't prepared. It's just that what I've prepared is just words and study and, and thoughts that, that I believe God has given me. But unless he comes, uh, I don't know who, who was in church a couple of weeks ago when Jess was leading. And she said, she just stood here and she said, Jesus is not on the way, he's already here. He's not on the way, he's already here. And that, I tell you, that was a prophetic statement. And if, if we let it go into our heart, it will change how we do life. Because we heard this morning, there's many people that are in storms. There's storms of sickness. There's financial storms. There's all kinds of things that come against us. And sometimes we are so busy trying to get Jesus to come because we think he's on the way. No, no. He's already here. He's already here. And what's more, he's already been where you are. He's, he's walked into it in the spirit. 
And the Bible says he's already prepared grace for you in this season. And all you have to do is say yes. That's all you have to do. So God, we come to you today. Lord, I've got some words. I've got some scriptures. But they don't mean anything unless you are here and I know you are here. So Lord, I ask you today that you would come and you would fill the words with your spirit. God, you'd take the words, you'd take the, the scriptures that you placed on my heart and you would begin to speak through them and open them up. God, that you'd begin to open our minds to see things in a supernatural way that can change our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go. Today we're going to look at David's life with particular reference to his faithfulness. David is probably the, the key character in the scriptures when it comes to being faithful. And so uh, <clears throat> that's what we're going to focus on. Um, God says, uh, sorry, Paul says in Acts 13, 22, he says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. In other words, he will be faithful. He will be faithful. Because God values faithfulness. You know, it says David was a man after God's own heart. Well, listen to what David wrote. And I believe this is the heart of God. David wrote this in Psalm 101 verse 6. My eyes will be watching the faithful people in the land so that they may live with me. The person who lives with integrity will serve me. They were David's words. And, uh, and God is drawn to faithfulness. He's drawn to faithful people. Think about it. There was about 6,000 people came out of Egypt with uh, Moses. 6,000. And there was only two out of 6,000 that got into the promised land. There was only two. All the rest that came out with Moses, all those that were over 20 years old, died in the wilderness except for two. And those two were Caleb and Joshua, the son of Nun. And the reason they, they made it, the reason that they got into the promised land was this. Numbers 32 verse 12 says, they wholeheartedly followed the Lord. They were faithful. In fact, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him, faithful. His eyes are going through the congregation, not to like better than the others, not to uh, give them a greater portion, no. He's saying, I'm looking for people who's, who are wholehearted towards me, because I want to come and inhabit them and reveal the world to myself through them by making myself strong through them. That's, that's the invitation that God gives us. I have so much in here. It's gonna, i got to get going because I tell you what, 
It could be long, and I'm not going to let it be. Okay, so one of the things that we discover in the Bible, though, is this faithfulness that God is looking for is not that common. Who's read the Bible? On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you reckon the numbers are for really, really faithful people? You think about all the characters. They're not looking good, are they? Jesus was faithful, fortunately. But two or three, yeah. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. And in fact, even David is such a wonderful example for us because while he had great successes, he also had great failures. And, you know, when, when, people, when Hollywood makes a movie about your failures, you know it's a big deal. Bathsheba, anyone? So the great thing about this is that for us, if we're going to take David as, as an example... If David was just a whitewashed character, you know, no flaws, super cool, super good, never did anything wrong, never got into trouble, I would have trouble relating to him. I don't know, I don't know what you think, but I would go, yeah, it was David. Faithfulness came easy to David. He was a man after God's own heart. What about me? Well, let's have a look. Why is faithfulness in such short supply? Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Faithfulness is uncommon. Listen to this. Faithfulness is uncommon because it's not given, it's cultivated. Faithfulness is uncommon because it's not given, it is cultivated. Now, I would love it if I could say, we're going to have an altar call now. I'm going to invite you to come down the front and I'm going to go and I'm going to lay my hands on your head and I'm going to impart to you faithfulness. But it's not going to happen. Because Galatians says that faithfulness is not a gift of the Spirit, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, many of us... uh, Many of us get our fruit in the form of gifts, don't we? Does anybody here go out the back to the tree, pluck an orange, pluck an apple? Okay, Lou. (laughs) Just the one. These are horticulturalists. What do you expect? Um, But we don't, do we? We go to Coles and there it is. Not only is it a gift, but it's gift-wrapped, it's in a little pack, foam, plastic. But that's, that's not where fruit comes from, is it? Somebody plants a tree and cultivates that thing and waters it and fertilises it and looks after it and prunes it and weeds it and does all this work so that that fruit might come forth. And in the same way, faithfulness is a fruit that needs to be cultivated in our lives. So today, we're going to look at David, four things that David did in his life that helped him to cultivate faithfulness. So listen to this. 
David wrote in Psalm 37, verse 3 to 5, Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him also and he will do it. So David was faithful. He was faithful. He was faithful to his father. Remember, where was he when uh, we heard last week Samuel came to Bethlehem and uh, made an offering and wanted to and asked Jesse to present all his sons? Where was David? Was he there? No. He was looking after his father's sheep because he was Faithful. He was faithful to his father. Secondly, he was faithful to the king, King Saul. Now this, hang on, the king he was going to replace. Yes. Hang, hang. The king that was chasing him through the wilderness trying to kill him. Yes. One day he was in the cave with his men. Saul and the army were after him. Uh, David knew they were coming, so he, he slipped into a cave and he hid up the back in the dark. You, you wouldn't believe it. Saul needed to go to the toilet and he decided, I'm going to slip into this cave and do the stuff. So he goes into the cave. He, he's going to the toilet. And see, so you thought the Bible was all kind of clean. and No, it, it had all the stuff in it. So he's in there and David and the guys are up the back and they see Saul. One of the great things about being up the back of the cave and looking towards the light is you can see everything coming towards you, but they cannot see what's up the back. And so David saw Saul come in and one of the men said, here is your opportunity. You can get your enemy now. Kill him. And David went up, he crept up to Saul, he took a knife, he cut off the hem of Saul's robe and he said, far be it for me to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to do this. Saul goes out, gets far enough away that David feels like and come out and he said, my father, my father Saul, what's this I have in my hand? And he looked down and he saw some of his robe was missing and he looked up and he saw the material and he said, David, you are a better man than I am. He was faithful to the king. David was faithful to his, the king's son, Jonathan. They became great friends. And not long before Jonathan died, they made a covenant together. And Jonathan said to David, David, I know God is going to make you king. When you become king, don't become a king like all the other kings that go through and cut off the lineage of the, king's, the family of the previous king. In other words, me. And so Dave, when David became king, he said, is there anyone left amongst the sons of Jonathan that I can show the kindness of the Lord to? He was faithful to his friend. And lastly, and most importantly, he was faithful to God. He faithfully sought and served God all his life. So quickly, we're going to just quickly look at a couple of things that, that show David serving the Lord. And this is found in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, you know the story, it's the story of David and Goliath. Is anyone not familiar with the story of David and Goliath? Because that has also been made into a Hollywood movie. So, um, David came down and, and the army was there and Goliath was taunting them and they were saying, come over here, if somebody fights me uh, and you win, 
we'll be your, your, your um, slaves, if, but if we win, you're our slaves. And David came down, he was bringing some, some food and stuff down to his brothers who were in the army. And he said, what's, what's the deal with this? And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? I want you to, I want you to quickly notice something there. In David's language, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who can tell me what the sign of the covenant was with the Jewish people? Circumcision. Who defy the armies of the living God. David was talking in covenant terms. 17-year-old boy. Talking in covenant terms. Understanding that God had made a promise with his people to be their defender. And so let's go on. He's talking with Saul and he says, look, I'm going to go out and fight this guy. Uh, this is kind of a bit head-blowing to me. You know, this guy's 17 years old. There's this, this guy out there who's taunting the armies of Israel. He's just under nine feet tall, I think. Somebody told me what it was the other day. It was like 2.74. Yeah, so, you know, that's pretty large. Uh, and... It, it describes the Bible. Go and read it for yourself. It's a good read. The Bible describes his, his armor and how big his spear was and all this kind of stuff. And David says, I'll go and fight him. Saul says, He's been a soldier all his life. You're just a kid. And David said, Your servant has looked after my father's sheep. When the lion and the bear came to take the sheep, I rose up, I grabbed them by the beard. That's really important. He was, how many of you would be prepared to go into hand-to-hand -hand combat with a lion and a bear? Any takers? No. But he said, the God who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from this, from this Philistine. Go, go over the next verse. So David goes down to fight the Philistine. The, the Philistine wasn't real happy because he was just a kid with a little pouch. Didn't even come out with a sword. And so the, Goliath was taunting him. And set, saying all the things that he's going to do, you know, I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air and all this sort of jazz. And David said, you come to me with the sword, the spear and the javelin, but listen to it. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. When, when um, Ananias was uh, discussing with God whether he should go and pray for Paul, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, uh, Paul had just come to Damascus. He was going to uh, arrest all the, the Christians in Damascus and take them back uh, in chains to Jerusalem. And Ananias was a little unsure about whether he should go and pray for this guy, as you would be. And so he says to God, God, I, I've heard a lot about this guy. He, he's, he's not a good guy. He, he came here to imprison me and take me back to Jerusalem in chains. And you're asking me to go and pray for him. And listen to what God said. He said, but the Lord told him, go because he is my chosen instrument. Listen, to carry my name to the unbelievers and their kings and to the house of Israel. I want to tell you this morning, church, if you are a believer, God has called you in the same manner to be a name carrier. What it means to be faithful is we carry the name. And, and I'm really 
pleased to be in this church because this church carries the name. When people get sick and are in hospital and undergoing uh, major issues, we're prepared to stand up Sunday after Sunday and carry the name of Jesus to the ones that need help. When people are being prayed for because they're, they're maybe suffering with addiction, we're prepared to stand up and carry the name. And God's asking you to be name carriers like David who will be faithful to carry his name into your world and make a difference there. Amen? Now, I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Just close your eyes. And I want to imagine with you this morning what it would look like if we were prepared to carry the name of the, the Lord of Heaven's armies into our world in this way, what would our world look like? What would our families look like? What could happen? I don't want you to feel bad about yourself this morning. What I want you to do is ask God, God, show me what could go right. Show me what could happen if I was prepared to be faithful today like David and be a name carrier. Okay, so how did David cultivate faithfulness? Today's lesson is brought to us again by the letter P. And anybody that's heard me preach before will know that I do this stuff a la Sesame Street. So, four Ps. David did four things. And so we'll go to the next, next slide. The prayers of David. David was concerned in his prayers about the state of his heart. In, in Psalm 19, verse 14, he says, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? The truth of the matter is we can't. Because they're just in there, in our flesh, in our humanity. And uh, if... If you're not sure what you're capable of, I would say just get out of God's plan for your life and wait a while. And let the world come at you with all it's got. And you might be surprised what's lurking in there. David said, how can a young man keep his way pure? In Psalm 119 verse 9, he says, by keeping it according to your word. By keeping it according to your word. How can I keep my heart pure? And David was, he was just absolutely obsessed with this, this sense of his, his own heart. It goes on to say, cleanse me from these hidden faults. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Just show up the next slide. Reese spoke to us, hang on. Where's that other one gone? Ah, yes, there it is. Ree said, gave us the big question last week. I don't know if she remembers giving us this question, but she gave us the big question. What is the condition of my heart? One of the keys to David's faithfulness was he was, he was prepared to engage conversation in prayer with God about the condition of his own heart. And he said, God... Creating me a clean heart. I haven't got time to go through the verses, but you know some of them. Creating me, oh God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He said to God, search me, O oh God, and try my heart. 
Cleanse my heart. David was prepared to take his heart before the Lord. And in Psalm 86 and verse 11, and this is really an important one, he said, give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. How many of us know what it's like to have a divided heart? I think I'll go to the shop tomorrow. I can't be bothered. I'm really looking forward to work today, but the boss might come in. We, we, we struggle with this, this division. You know, we're talking about this year being wholehearted, and yet often our heart is so fragmentized, isn't it? So many fragments, so many different things pulling us in different directions. And David says, I'm going to ask the big question, God. Give me a pure heart. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. David, the prayers of David caused him to pursue faithfulness. Secondly, the praises of David. David was concerned with the living glory to God. Psalm 9 verse 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with what? My whole heart, wholeheartedly. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will tell. See, this is, this is not just nice words in a psalm. This is just common sense. God, I will give thanks with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. Who benefits from telling yourself about God's wonderful deeds? Who do you think? <laughs> I do. We do. David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Why? Because when we forget his benefits, we lose sight of his power. And when we lose sight of his power, we become diminished in faith. So, so David made it a point to praise the Lord. And I want to say something today. I believe it is impossible to create faithfulness, to cultivate faithfulness in your life without having a spirit of praise. I think it's impossible. In the same way as it's impossible to, to have a, a clean heart without spending time in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is a mirror that shows us what we're like. But it's impossible. Why? Because... We can never arrive at that all is within me, bless his holy name, unless all, within me, all that is within me blesses his holy name. So I want to encourage you to become people of praise. Now, I understand that for some of you, singing is not your thing. That's okay. That's okay. And when you come in here of a Sunday, you enjoy it when they sing, but you don't kind of get into it that much because it's not your thing. What's your thing? What's the thing that causes you to be gobsmacked with God's greatness? Go and do that. Come here, sing. Come to church. Really important. But you might get gobsmacked by God's greatness by walking in the bush. Hey, go and walk in the bush and say, God, I worship you. I praise you with all my heart. I'm so amazed at what you've done. You are indeed a great and marvellous God. And look at every tree and say, Amen. 
Whatever it takes, whatever it is for you that causes you to cry out to God in praise. So number one, the prayers of David were the key to his creating faithfulness. Number two, the praises of David was key to him creating faithfulness. Number three, the pursuits of David. David said, come my heart says, seek his face. What was his response? Your face I will seek. David was someone who pursued the living God. Psalm 119 verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Do not let me stray from your commandments. And then again in Psalm 63 and verse 1, God, you are my God, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, David is not just being pathetic or prophetic or uh, just feeling sorry for himself. At that time, he was in the wilderness of Judea where it was dry and barren and there wasn't any water and he was experiencing thirst and the conditions that you would get in the desert and he realised, he realised that spiritually, if he placed himself in that situation, that just like he was thirsting for water, he, was, he could be desperate for God. And so David pursued David. Sorry, David pursued God. And then number four. The priority of David. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. One of the keys to, to David's cultivation of faithfulness was his desire for habitation with the Lord, not just visitation. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, there's a couple of things. To get to habitation with the Lord, to get where David was, it was a process of coming into his presence, coming into his presence. Uh, about, what would it be now? Uh, this is 2000, 2021. In 1977, is that 44 years ago? I was sitting on my wife's front porch which wasn't a great it wasn't a great cost because it was across the road like it was literally from here to the front doors away from my house but I was sitting on the the front uh, porch and I was overwhelmed with this sense of I don't want to go home like it was late I needed to go home but it was you know I don't want to go home. Will you marry me? Because I just don't like leaving you anymore. I've done the visitation thing where I come and visit. But my heart's not satisfied with that. I need to be with you all the time. Will you marry me? Well, it seemed romantic like that to me. I don't know, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I just said, 
you want to get a hitch? What do you think? <laughs> Maybe it was more romantic in my mind at the time. I don't know. But for David, in those moments where he said, I have set the Lord before me, I come into your presence, there came a day when he said, God, this is not enough. This is not enough for me. I need to be in your presence all the time. And God says, okay, it's possible. It's possible. You might say, how is it possible? Well, for us, it's easy. Jesus said, after I go back to the Father, I'm going to send you another comforter, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. And he will be with you all the time. The Bible says that we have an anointing that abides with us. And we have the capacity, you might say, making it a priority to be with Jesus all the time, that's impossible. No, it's not. No, it's not. Paul said, so here's the thing. Give yourself to the Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter 3. Let the Spirit dwell in you so that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith. What do you mean? Like all the time. Yeah, all the time. So whether you're fishing, Christ is dwelling in your heart through faith. Whether you're driving a car, Christ is in your heart through faith. Mason, I don't even understand what you do, but whatever you do with numbers and stuff, Christ dwells in your heart through faith. Donna, when you're going through what you're going through, you know this, I know you do. Christ dwells in your heart through faith. Whatever you're facing tomorrow, why would you want to go and face it without knowing that Christ dwells in your heart through faith? Amen? We're going to ask the band to come. And Joel, if you guys can sing something appropriate. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Let's stand. This is the great thing about cultivating faithfulness. And I'm going to go back and stand up here because I can't see anybody anymore because you've all stood up. This is a great thing about cultivating faithfulness. For Lou when he's cultivating fruit in his backyard, he pretty much has to do all the work. He's got to dig the hole. He's got to put the fruit in. He's got to water it. He's got, unless he can somehow con his grandchildren to come and water the plants for him, he's got to do it all. But it's not like that with Jesus. He says, just say yes. I've got an invitation for you today. I want to come and dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, what do I need to do? Do I need to get dressed up? Nope. Do I need to get cleaned up? No. Do I need to change what I'm doing right now? 
No. Well, Jesus, what do I need to do? He says, just say yes. Just say yes. I'm inviting you today. Now, this is not just for for people who don't know Jesus. Some of you have walked with Jesus a long time. Maybe you visited every week for years. And Jesus says, it's not enough anymore. Jesus is sitting on the porch with you and he's saying, it's not enough anymore. I want to be with you all the time in the sense that you know that I'm with you all the time. So here we are, Father. We want to be a people that cultivate faithfulness in our lives to serve you. God, we've, we've all looked into the possibilities this morning of what could happen if Northeast was to become a wholehearted people that were faithful to you. If we were to become name carriers that were, knew what it meant to carry your name and your power and your anointing and your uh, incredible offer of salvation to those that we love who are broken and don't know you. We've, we've dreamed about it this morning in our minds. And Lord, you're saying to us this morning, Will you have conversations with me about your heart through prayer? All he wants for you is to say yes. He's asking you this morning, will you be willing to declare my praises in whatever way that, that you're free to do that? Whatever makes you draw close to me, Would you be free to glorify my name? And all he's asking is for us to say yes. He'll take care of the rest. This morning he's asking us, will you be willing to pursue me and seek my face? And all he's asking us is to be like David and say, Lord, my heart said seek his face God, I say, I will seek your face. I say yes to you today. And lastly, Jesus is saying, will you be willing, will you be willing to enter into a relationship where I dwell in your heart through faith and you carry me everywhere? And he's not asking us to tell him how it's possible He's not asking us to change anything to make it possible. All He's asking us this morning is to say yes. So as we've pondered these questions this morning, if you're saying yes to Jesus, I'd ask you just to lift your hands. Not put your hand up, but just lift your hands and begin to praise Him and say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God, I want to cultivate faithfulness in my life. Yes, Lord.